This is The Topic is Trek, episode 141 for Friday, July 14th, 2023. Coming up in this episode, Spock is running amok again. Brace yourself, it's time for San Diego Comic-Con, or is it? And we talk about another episode that's, um, uh, it, it kind of had a, um, there was, there was, uh, I can't re- remember, but all that right now on the topic is Trek. Do you like me? Check yes or no. Welcome to the topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it. Sooner or later, because on this show, the topic is Trek. Engage already! Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another thrill-packed edition of The Topic is Trek. I'm Clinton, one of your co-hosts. And, of course, to be a co-host, you have to have other co-hosts along with you. It, it just kind of mathematically works out that way. So, first off, beaming in to join me from parts unknown with the hip new catchphrase that you will be talking about tomorrow, Mr. Craig Stepp. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> no, no. Try again. You don't like that one? No, no. All right. That's the way they end all the all the episodes, right? You know, everybody's I, turning off their uh, lights and their thing. The hip new catchphrase from the Waltons. Yes. Okay. There we go. Oh, wait, <laughs> I know what it was. Good night, Lieutenant John Boy. Oh, <laughs> now it's much better. <laughs> It's been updated. <laughs> Reimagined. Can I answer <laughs> Mary Ellen? <laughs> Can and I also, Commodore Grandpa? <laughs> apparently transmitting from parts unknown is Mr. Chuck Tomasi. I, I feel like I should know what I'm doing here. It feels familiar, but I I don't know who I am. Yeah, I know I talk into this microphone, but I don't know why. I am Chuck Tomasi. I fly this ship. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to die. You know, Clinton, yeah. with your lighting on the video, this would have been the week to do your Baylock thing at the intro. <laughs> no, I feel like I feel like I look like I'm Boimler in mid-transport, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Thanks, StreamYards. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, um, before we uh, begin our, our normal show, I wanted to... Uh, Mentioned that uh, Manny, Man- Manuel Cotto, uh, known to Star Trek fans as Manny Cotto, has passed away at the age of 62. Yeah, Manny joined Star Trek Enterprise for its third season as a writer and co-executive producer, but it was his work as executive producer and showrunner for the fourth season of Enterprise that brought the most praise. He helped move the show forward, tying more into Trek lore, even including events that would lead to the foundation of the Federation. According to Deadline.com, 
Cotto died of pancreatic cancer. Ah. His, his family mm. says Cotto had been fighting the disease for 13 months and passed away surrounded by loved ones. And everyone here at the Topic of Trek sends their condolences to Manny's friends and family. Yes, we do. Stupid um, cancer. Indeed, indeed. And uh, yes, he uh, definitely, you know, uh, say what you will about Enterprise, but that fourth season certainly was one that was steering things in a, in a, a great direction. And uh, I think he definitely had a vision for where that show was, uh, you know, needed to be headed. Yep. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, uh, that was, yeah, that's right. Cause that, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the big story arc leading up to season four and then season four was like, get back on track. And I was really disappointed that we weren't going forward anymore after that. I know like I'm, I'm not alone. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's try to lighten the mood with this episode that I don't know if it's going to lighten the mood all that much, but <laughs> let's hope, <laughs> but, but we should first have our spoiler alert. Oh, we have spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Oh, my, he's forgotten. Thanks, how to DJ Tomasi. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I should be able to know how to operate that control, but I don't. Anyway, wiki, wiki, wiki. we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking about the most two most recent episodes of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Hence our spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen those episodes, pause. Go watch the episodes. Come back to the podcast. Amazingly enough, we'll still be here. Unless you're watching us live, in which case we're not going to just pause ourselves for, for two hours. So you'll have to have seen it ahead of time. All right. Does that make any sense? No. You've been, okay. warned. <laughs> You've been warned. You've been warned. So, uh, Craig, why don't you give us a little bit of background on this first episode? All right. So this is uh, obviously Star Trek Strange New Worlds. The title is Among the Lotus Eaters, written by Kristen, Kristen, uh, Kirsten, excuse me, Bayer and Davy Perez, is directed by Eduardo Sanchez. And the short synopsis is the Enterprise must return to the site of the disastrous mission. Pike confronts a ghost from his past, and both the landing party and the ship uh, shipboard crew begin to slowly lose their memories. Indeed, uh, memories. I wanted to mention that I have written an article about uh, this episode and it's posted over on the topic is trek.com. So you can check that out because I go, I take a deep dive into one aspect of this episode and it was fun. It's the first uh, time I've written a review uh, for the site in a couple of years now. So that was a lot of fun. I know. I know. Well, I'll be doing another one. For the for the next episode as well, so I think I'm back on yeah. a roll. Retirement Good is thing going well. You don't well. get paid by the article. Uh, yeah, good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the other good news is I'm not on strike. But anyway, uh, yeah. I, and the other thing I want to cover before we actually get into the discussion of the episode itself is to maybe clear up some confusion that people have about the castle in this episode. Because some people say, oh, they changed the castle. The castle doesn't look the same at all. Well, it does and it doesn't. Because uh, the best example I could find is this is a screen capture, for those of you uh, looking at the video, a screen capture that shows the large image is actually 
the the VR wall, mm-hmm. if you will, that the um, Mm-hmm. The actors are sitting in the middle, uh, standing in the middle of which is like a black area that's in center of the of the shot, and you can see the castle that's being represented virtually, of course, in this shot. The section at the front near the wall is the same as the castle that we see in the episode "The Cage." That tall tower sits further back, away from the wall, and goes up. So, if you look at the scene in the cage the tower would be just off screen in that shot. So it actually is fairly close to what we saw in the cage. I thought they just built and expanded over the years. Well, it's been, it's, <laughs> it's, it's only been five years. So it's a lot of expanding to do in, in right. that amount of time. Yeah. So just want to get that out of the way. I, right. I recognized the, the dome structure a little bit more mm-hmm. when they showed later in the show, when they, when the guy was showing the totem. And I did mm-hmm. a freeze frame at the top. There's like a building. I went, that looks more like what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's a, it, 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 it's a shame because a lot of the shots, there's a lot of fog and so forth around it. And so you don't get to see the front part. You just really see the tower jetting up from it. And it does leave the impression that it's not even close to the you, same. You can't always shoot your VR shots on a clear day. No, it's, it's a shame, but it's true. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. We're going to uh, try to cover a different uh, aspects of this episode. And the first one I want to talk about is, okay, we've got the relationship between Pike and Battelle, which hits some shaky ground right, right in the offset of this episode. And um, by episode's end, things seem on the mend. Mm-hmm. But uh, what did you guys think about this whole setup, you know, Pike having these, these issues, which to me somewhat seem justified that he is kind of ruining her career uh, by dragging her into the whole Una thing and mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Um, did, did you think it, maybe it was best that they do separate? Were you happy or sad to see them get back together again? I thought it was a bit predictable that, that he they're showing, Hey, he's got a personal life and he's getting in a relationship and then no, 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 better back off. And then of course, Una confronts him and says, you're doing that thing you do. And oh, yeah. uh, he says, I do that. Do I? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was sort of a, a fun, but a confrontational scene. Uh, and, and I thought that was going to be it. So to see them getting back together at the end, I thought was a nice wrap up for the episode itself. Mm-hmm. I still don't have a whole lot of faith that either of them are going to be able to pull together a lasting relationship because of their careers, their focus on their careers, their dedication to their yeah. ship and the crewmates. It's not like, hey, I'm going to take two weeks off and see you on Starbase 8. You know, I don't think captains get shore leave for two weeks or two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I thought it was uh, uh, basically what uh, Chuck just said. I was, I, I liked that they finally worked it out or at least temporarily, but yeah, I don't see how, well, as we'll see later, uh, all this traveling around and being in Starfleet is an issue for lots of people's relationships. So I can see it affecting him as well or them should say. Okay. And as we suspected all along, this was a revisit to Rigel seven and we get more, uh, backstory on that first mission 
to Rigel 7 in this episode, which dovetails with what we see in the cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to be a routine investigation of a Class M planet. So we learned why they were going there, which we didn't know from the cage. And that scans can't penetrate the atmosphere. Uh, so the landing party went in pretty much unprepared for what they were going to get. Apparently, they went in their uniforms. Now, I don't know if that meant that they didn't expect to find a civilization there at all. Because they come across the Kalar and they're kind of surprised uh, when they run across them. So did you get the feeling that they were just figuring it was a planet with no intelligent life on it at that point? Or they didn't have the, you know, the first contact protocols or it, it, it felt like it was a mistake, but you didn't really know if it was a, an overt mistake. You know, it was on purpose or an accident. Why? He just says, we're not making the same mistake twice. We're, we're, we're definitely not going down there in uniform again. Right. Yeah. Right. Because now they know what to wear instead. But at that point, it seems like they didn't have any clue what, you know, what does one wear to a, a class M planet when one isn't sure that there's intelligent life there? I don't know. Deer skins well, and furs. Were... <laughs> <laughs> well, the original Kirk and Spock and everybody, they, they wore their uniforms down a lot. Yes, yeah. And that's after. So why yeah. did they come back to Rigel seven in uniform? Well, maybe the cat was out of the bag already. Mm. You know, Grand Leader Vizier Zach, whatever his name was. Well, so the original mission, they lost three crew members, so they thought, including Yeoman uh, Goyen, and seven crew members were injured. And we find out that the reason that they left in such a hurry is that Spock was bleeding out and they had to get to the Vega colony to save him. And I made note of the fact that I know there's, he's not consistent in it, but Leonard Nimoy said, I was told to limp in that episode of The Cage, so I did. And this is kind of like tying in. It's supposed to indicate that, yes, they had just, you know, been to Rigel 7. They had, you know, everyone had their their wounds healed, and they were on another mission right after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so he's still healing? Yeah. Is that what the yeah, idea was? Yeah. 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 Hmm. And apparently they only spent four hours at Rigel 7. Now, that surprised me because to get into orbit, to assemble your landing party, to, you know, beam down, have your encounter and so forth, retreat back to the ship and and leave it. That seems such a short amount of time. I, I guess it's workable. It just seems like everything had to happen like clockwork to do everything in four hours. It didn't hours. surprise me at all. Because they, okay. they they said it was only going to take an hour, but you know how those timeshare seminars go. They turn it into four. <laughs> That's right. They were looking well, at least to buy it feels like it. Would you yeah. like or at to, least it feels like four hours. <laughs> would you like to buy some property on Rigel 7? <laughs> uh, so thirsty. We'll make it worth your hour. while. Yeah. But now we have a new mission to Rigel 7. Yes. And clean up because the mess. Sell- yeah, satellites have observed a topiary Starfleet Delta within the walls of the castle. Hey, it's really nice. hard to make those topiary Delta shields. Yeah, I mean, you would think that the 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 ruling classes and so forth would have better things to do with their time than make topiary gardens, but I don't. Well, know. especially if you go outside, they're outside yeah. the walls of the castle, which we learned is how they protected themselves. 
And, you know, what are you going? Snip, snip, snip. What was I doing here? I'll go back inside and come back tomorrow. <laughs> it, take, yeah. it, it took the five years to make the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have the forgetting every time I get up. Hmm. Yeah. But that's another story. I have the forgetting after Dragon Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say, like, what What am I doing here? <laughs> and I listen to the totem. And don't ask a mother about her forgettings after childbirth, but that's another story altogether. Right. Ooh. Uh, yeah. P- uh, Pike wants Ortegas, Nunian Singh, Lan, and uh, Mbenga on the mission, but Mbenga is really not happy about being chosen. It's not like he doesn't want to go on a landing party. It's just that he felt, and rightly so, that he was chosen for his fighting skills, not his doctrine skills. Wouldn't you have security people that you could ha- have fulfill that requirement instead of, yes. you know. Like like the, um, what was it? The Marines, whatever they were on uh, on Enterprise. Oh, the, the Mako. The yeah. Mako. It's like that. They were brought mm-hmm. aboard for confrontational situations like this so they could fight in place. Of, you don't send your captain down to a planet of soldiers. At, uh, wait a minute. Are y'all, did y'all listen to the Trek Files? Recently, because that's exactly that is exactly what they were talking about. Yeah, it was the memo about about the Mako and all that stuff. And uh, well, you know, great minds. How that would great minds think alike. How that would yeah. change the dynamic. It would change the dynamic uh, because they would insist that the captain wouldn't go down every time. You know, right? They would right. go handle things and right. Well, the Mako don't exist by this point. Um, but no, but I'm just saying that that uh, it's part of the discussion is that. It was some of the things that they were thinking of, especially going into TNG. I just thought it was interesting that y'all brought it up. Exactly and, what they were saying. Right. And and it wasn't like they didn't they couldn't accommodate four people because Ortegas has to stay behind. So you clearly were planning this mission for four people. Bring somebody from security. I, I'm assuming yeah. anyone from security should be trained somewhat in how to deal with this situation. You know, I mean, it, it, of course, they just probably just drop and roll, but that's another story altogether. We won't get into that part of it. Um, and we talked about Ortegas was going to be in this mission, but it turns out that she had to stay behind because uh, Spock has discovered that the asteroid debris field that's around the uh, planet or the debris field uh, around the planet, it's starting to fall towards the surface. And the Enterprise will have to be manually course corrected. So there was a collision a few hundred years ago, but they start talking about thousands later in the episode. I got a well. It's two different things here. the 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 one thing they talk about is that the impact of the asteroid on the surface was thousands of years ago. Yet it's still smoking when they get down there, and there's no sign of erosion, even though there's lots of snow and whatnot going on. I thought, yeah, I, I that, couldn't that was figure out off. if the smoldering was supposed to be from, you know, one possibility is the smoldering could be from uh, a heat vent caused by the collision. Um, but it certainly uh, is not. The, here's the writer in Clinton. But it's certainly to... not from a, it's not from a fire. There's no, there's no firewood around any, there's, there's nothing to burn anymore. Right. Maybe it's radiation from it. It was glowing blue. And oh. I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but when they, mm-hmm. when the shuttle flies over, uh, when it's going to make its landing, it flies directly 
over the castle, which is sitting at the base of that smoldering, you know, whatever it was. It was Great place us. to build. They won't see us right here. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, I, we're hidden. We're from the By north. The By the way, to correct something you just said a minute ago, they did bring somebody from security. Well, I mean, another Leon, person. Lon is the yes. chief security officer. But I, but I mean, another person, right? If if you don't bring your doctor yeah. to be, <laughs> because they had no, they didn't know that they were going to run into trouble. He's a super yeah, soldier, you, though. You know, hey, yeah, you could. Well, actually, you could, if you think about it, all three of them are high ranking uh, positions on the ship. They shouldn't, all three of them shouldn't be there. Yeah, but what landing party ever didn't have I that? Know. I mean, away teams landing parties is just like, oh, the important people get to go, but we have to stay on yeah. the ship. Keep your opinions to yourself, number one. <laughs> <laughs> Ortegas was I'm going down not happy about being left behind. No, no. She even had the hat and everything. The hat is I su- know. the hat is supreme. <laughs> and she committed to the hat. She put the hat back on. And, I actually feel bad going. for her. I like I like Ortega. I, I I felt bad for her. She had to go back to slogging at the her desk. Yeah, but she was promised <laughs> that the next mission was going to be it was you know she'd be on the next. Sure. One, so. This is yeah. this is one of the few times you hear a personal log from somebody else. You know, it's not the captain's log. It's not first officer. Uh, there were a couple on on Voyager, but this is this is well, is she an ensign yet? There's a whole lot of low ranking people on the bridge all the time. If you Two? ask me, oh, I'd Ortegas. What's Ortegas's Ortega's rank? I think she's a isn't she a lieutenant? I don't know, but uh, she opened up the show with her personal log. Right. Um, yeah, you would have you would have she like supplemental logs. Yeah, I thought so. Um, mm-hmm. You would have um, logs occasionally from uh, secondary, like. You'd have one from number one, or you might have ones yep. from, you know, some uh, senior member of the staff doing their personal log, that type of thing. We had Lon's, what, a couple weeks ago? Or for tomorrow is tomorrow is tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow and tomorrow. Well, we also heard, uh, well, skipping ahead episode. a little bit, but in yeah. the in the next episode. We got uh, chapels. Chapels, yeah. So I think they're spreading that, that, yep. that around, like, you know, sharing the love on that one. So we can open up our podcast with one of our personal logs in the future. We we, we certainly can. Okay. We certainly can. We'll we'll talk about that I'll, offline. This is our personal log. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to the mission because they All land right. on the planet and they they get to the castle or they're brought to the castle by the security guards who have phaser rifles, not just phasers, but phaser rifles, and they get to meet. Good old Zach. Zach is alive. Hey, how's it going, you look Zach? well, like you've been eating good. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, Zach has kind of got kind of a, a con complex going here, you know, because he was left behind. Wait a minute. And... You mean a con like C O N or K H A N? K H A N, because, oh. <laughs> you know, Pike never came looking for him. I think he's got. Queen Elizabeth II's crown too, but I'm not well, so sure about that. We've we've seen this before, where uh, you know Starfleet personnel were left on a planet and became all powerful. There was Lord Garth. Uh, there was um, what was the the Nazi guy or the Roman guy? I'm trying to remember from TOS. Right, but remember, uh, because there's an article that I link at the end of these notes. 
there was an uh, in Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy, hashtag save Star Trek Prodigy. <laughs> we had the episode with the people that were mimicking Star Trek because the crew member from the Enterprise had crashed there and did everything he possibly could not to interfere, to to hide the shuttle, to do to, he did all everything right, and Zach did everything wrong. <laughs> I, I did think uh, after we we kind of get the gist of what happened here. By this point, mm-hmm. I started thinking, why did he have them make the the Delta Shield? Well, he says he didn't. He, he didn't do it. He says that the um, they had adopted it as his his symbol, his crest if you will. So that's where they were putting it every place. They mm-hmm. viewed it as um, oh, I guess it was a on High a Lord Zacharias's crest mm-hmm. to have that. Okay. Uh, I guess it was on a shirt and stuff. So they would, they have seen it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. But he wants to see Pike suffer. <laughs> well, he goes, well, I want to commission a 32 foot uh, Delta shield. I want it on the roof so they can see it from space. <laughs> and then as soon as they see it, I'm going to say, yeah, rip it all out. Oh, that sounds yeah. like a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> now, the weird thing is that, you know, Zach says he wants to see Pike suffer. He, he never goes to see Pike. Right. Once. He, he doesn't go check on him the next day or, you know, what happened to them. Just or, like or Khan. Hey, as soon as he goes out of the castle, where was I going again? <laughs> yeah, I know I was out here to see somebody. How oh, this stuff well, works fast. Something the crown, the crown, uh, and stuff. You know. Oh, even I, I got to back oh, yeah. up a little Milk bit. And bread from the. Yeah, I got to back up when when they landed the shuttle and they were walking towards the castle. Twenty kilometers. Pike makes a comment like, "We're going to set up camp because it gets deadly cold here tonight." There were no hats. No gloves on any of them. Have any of you been in the cold climates before? The hat is your number one way to stay warm. And yet now they're sleeping outside in a cage all night with no hats and no gloves and clearly not dying. Who had a hat? Who had a hat? Ortega's had a hat. hat. Yeah, Ortega's had a hat. See? (laughs) All she had to do is line it with uh, magnesite and she'd be great. By Um, the way. Two out of three uh, out of the three people on this on this podcast have uh, extensive uh, background with cold weather. That's right. So we know. Well, one thing I did note, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but in the morning when we see them waking up in the cage, they're on top of um, the furs, not under the furs. No, 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 no. (laughs) They CG CGI'd in their breath coming out of their mouths while they're talking. Oh, oh, yeah. That's just sad. They couldn't afford it. Either that, dry, or it was, either that it was really cold in there. I mean, I don't know which, but that would have to be awful cold on a consistent basis yeah. for that to happen. So I think they yeah. put that in after, just like they put in when um, La'an is struck by the knife. You get a little spurt of blood coming out. Yeah, I saw that. Little, little, little. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That looks now, CG, I think, didn't it? Now, what did you make of, of Zach Overall, because it seems to me at the end of this thing, he kind of, you know, he's all, I can't go back. You know, look, I've armed the natives with, you know, weapons and I've declared myself ruler. I can't possibly go back. And then he gets punched out by Pike and he goes, okay, I'll go back. 
I I thought he should have taken a knife to himself or something. <laughs> he, just, he, he he kind of. He, he, I don't yeah, think he had the he was the out. constitution to do that to himself. Yeah, so I mean, I, he was definitely a, a paper tiger type of you know character. You know, he's he's ruling over them when. <laughs> Listener Diane, why is he wearing a crown from Game of Thrones? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't. I thought it was. I thought it was the one when you watch the crown that gets built in the middle and in, in the beginning with that animation. Never Anywho. seen the crown. Don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tumbleweed flying by. I know what you're talking about. I haven't watched it though. On this show, the topic is the crown. <laughs> well, let's Zach's move on. Before, let's move on before we forget to the forgetting <sighs> and the Kalars. We keep yeah. our prisoners outside in the cold in a cage. I know. Yeah, is that not the worst? That keeps them safe. They weren't huddling together. Around. Yeah, that's nice. So they they, they all have is they all have huts these big huts that you could just like put a door on or something, but instead we'll all have them sleep in a cage in the snow in front of the castle. Have we have we heard about subdermal trans uh, universal translators before? I, well, you notice that, huh? Yeah, I, I think we have. I think I think that I think they've been a thing before. How common and in what era? Okay. I'm not sure. Because Spock got uh, Spock and Kirk got the subdermal rubidium crystals so they could get transported out. Uh, the other one that I had a note on was when after Laon gets her first, you know, ear ringing session, yes. and they start wandering off in the snow towards the castle. The music was very reminiscent of the old TOS confusion music. There was there was hints of that, so I was. Trying to pick up on musical notes through this episode. And that one jumped mm-hmm. out at me. Like they're they're really doing yeah. some nice callbacks but variations on the old themes. Right. Both this yeah, episode I noticed that and in the, the next sec- one. And the next episode as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Hey, by the so. way, don't you is, is a little is it a little too on the nose that they're in a cage? A well, cage? and he says and they call out the fact that they're in a cage. <laughs> if if they if they <laughs> forget I I don't understand how they even made this episode because if they keep forgetting, how do they remember their lines? Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> well, we get an explanation hmm. from from Luke about how the forgetting works, and we get some of it from Zach, but it still doesn't make sense to me. The whole structure of the civilization doesn't make any sense because, all right, you can say speech and so forth are long-term learnings, but that's if you can remember from the first day to the second day to the third day. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah and- it, it gets ingrained. But if you keep forgetting that it happened the day before, it never gets ingrained to be muscle memory. Right. And and yet Kirk can remember the thing around his neck was a gift that somebody gave him. <laughs> like, well, Pike. Uh, or Pike, yeah. And that's pretty short term there, buddy. You know, usually the long-term memories are the ones that well, stick with you. Well, they did say it was emotional. Uh, yeah, emotional connection. Right, and I think, he's, as well. I think he's grabbing, he's also grasping anything that he can latch onto that gives him something about his identity. And he notices this is something no one else seems to have. And so I think that starts to have meaning that he's concentrating on. It's like, you know, I have this. So I can, I can mm-hmm. understand 
that. I but think they were being pretty selective on what was remembered and what was forgotten. Yeah. It's I think nice I need to... some clarification from Gary, by the way. It says, he says, I, it didn't seem very practical. But the cages? Talking about the forgetting? <laughs> the what? Yeah, the cages? <laughs> oh, this whole, I think maybe we'll get some clarification from him. Okay. Did anyone else notice the elephant in the room? There was an elephant in the room? There, well, yeah. There's an elephant? There's an elephant. Uh, yeah. All together now. <laughs> when Pike was on the Enterprise, he had his part on the left. When he was on the planet, the part was on the right. They changed his hairstyle oh, while he was on the planet. I did notice that. I did notice that. And I was trying to figure out. Pike's uh, peak moves must, in mysterious ways. I have no idea. Why would you do that? I was like, hey, we're going to a landing party. Quick, redo your hair. <laughs> yeah. They won't recognize you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'll look just like one of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm sure what that was I'm about. But I didn't even that recognize well. him with the partner on the side. Watch Spock walk in the room. Uh, where, where have you seen the captain? Oh, it's the part you moved it. All right, okay. so we get the, we get the funny. we get the landing party. <laughs> they get to they they know roughly something about themselves, like. Pike knows that he has to like protect and these other people and they're his, they came with him and they're, they're his friends and Lon instinctively knows how to be stepping into the fight. And Benga instinctively knows how to try to treat wounds, that type of thing. And that mirrors what uh, Christine Chapel is saying on the ship is that I'll know how to do basic things but I won't know why I know that. And I certainly won't be able to do any complicated surgeries right. to which Una replies, what could you repeat that again? You know. <laughs> Dumb it um, down a little for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, it, you know, you're getting this sense that they see themselves for who they are, which then convinces Luke that he should help them because even Pike is surprised. Oh, really? You could, you're going to change your mind that quickly about helping us. That seems a little odd. And he says, well, mm -hmm. this is what, you know, this is your truth. This is so your moment. To, yep. Yeah. We have to act on that before we forget this it. Is your moment shine. Yeah. I don't know. What did you, what did you guys think of Luke? I thought he was uh, a nice, you know, kind of, he befriended the strangers. He didn't know why it was sort of an insight into who he really was because we got everybody was forgetting, but they knew who they were at the core. Like Mbenga wanted to help fix uh, Lon and Pike was naturally coming out as a leader. He wanted to fix his friend's memory so he could fix Lon. And, and this was, this was a little hint at like, what is Luke's real truth? Well, he must be friendly to strangers. Right. Right, because you know he he steps right in first thing to push the guards aside and say no no they had a very rough forgetting you know yeah, yeah. he may not. have well, been a leader well, they, at, at one point mm -hmm. yeah maybe and but obviously he needed to be there because to drive the story forward because nobody I mean they they wouldn't have answers they'd be just walking around aimlessly on the planet well, yeah I mean you can but you can do it without that character you have to you do have to try to piece it together and it becomes a struggle obviously for them to do it which would be an interesting take about they have to try to hold these pieces in their head as they try to piece this together and yeah. get little bits of information 
So, you know, that, but that could take longer. Um, yeah, you'd this, wind up with one of those time loop things where every night they go to bed and they write down a little bit more for themselves actually, in the morning. Actually, you know what this reminded me of? The movie Memento. Mm. You know, where he was, uh, he, he had short term memory problems and he was having to tattoo himself to remember uh, everything. And then he would wake up. Okay. He'd have to reread the tattoos uh, and stuff to remember, you know, to remember where he would left off. It's, so it's exactly. It's fifty first dates with uh, with Luke. And, uh, <laughs> well, Luke got to cheat. He wrote his lines on his arm, so he could just. He did. Yeah, that's right. He's Although like. He's, uh, yeah. He smudged a couple of them, though. Yeah, because we find <laughs> out that he has obliterated a couple of the tattoos, which he believes it's his family. He can he can tell it was his family, and he says he doesn't want to know what happened. He just. He he he's he'd much rather be oblivious right. to it, mm-hmm. and he changes his mind in the end. And they don't say exactly because Pike says you decided to stay. So I figure the scene we don't see is that he helps bring Laan into the castle, and instead of turning around and walking out, he decides to stay and get his memories back. And uh, he's uh, he's quite moved by them and says that I was wrong and, you know, every of the field KLRs should have their memories restored to them. So yeah, definitely, a, definitely a, a good guy on the, mm-hmm. but meanwhile, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> back on the ship, we've got all sorts of uh, things happening. <laughs> we find out what Uhura has for breakfast every yeah. morning. So that's a revelation. It's open. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because the same thing same thing is happening on the ship. Right. That's happening is it steel on cut or is original? I'm not she sure. Instant. That, replicated. That, ooh, I don't think replicated. so. Replicated. I don't yeah. think so. Computer. And, <laughs> Oatmeal. Hot. <laughs> yeah. Now, as, as everyone is unraveling. Steel cut or original. <laughs> Uno yeah. wants to keep the Enterprise close to Rigel 7 to assist the landing party, which is... Mm-hmm instinctively the right move but not really in this cake a case and spock wants it <laughs> moved away from the planet but into the debris field which is also not really the right move to <laughs> no make. we'll be I, safer I, there yeah and and that's the, he, he deduces <laughs> this is the part that had me scratching my head he said obviously when we got close to rigel seven this is when things started unraveling so we should stay close move into the debris field wouldn't your first clue would be like, hey, take us out about 100 million miles and see if things clear up a bit. That will well, that will at least unfog our heads. I think I think the problem was that Una was so insistent on him staying close because he said he wanted to move the, the ship away. And she leans into him and says, keep us close. If this is what's happening to us, can you imagine what's happening to the landing party? So he's now not in his full mind and he's trying to justify, well, I'm, that's my superior officer, but I want to do this. So he's trying to figure out how to proceed. I think at this point, and he decides move into the debris field because there's some natural protection from, from radiation in there. Maybe. I think that's what they said in it. Yeah. He says that that's what he's moving there. What radiation? Well, he doesn't know what radiation. Okay. 
So well, he doesn't know, but if, it's that asteroid that landed on the planet. If you could detect radiation, then wouldn't you want to move away from it? Because I think he did detect certain types of radiation in the debris strange field. Strange energies. Was, but, you know, was the memory energy. loss radiation coming from the debris field or was it coming from the asteroid on the planet? Well, this is what I think. I think that the debris is from the collision of two bodies. Whether or not they were moons, I don't know. But that's not to say there weren't minor impacts which chipped off the piece that landed on the planet a few thousand but years But that's ago. where the timeline falls apart. Because he said this happened a couple hundred years ago when these collided, right. oh, yet that when, asteroid when on the planet was a no, thousand but, years ago. Right, but when they collided, right? So those things might have been farther out. And as I said, it might have been a minor impact. Not the I'm not talking about the collision. I'm talking about a minor impact which flung off some pieces of whatever this large asteroid, planetoid, whatever the thing was. And that's what landed on Rigel 7. Then eventually bodies collided, which was parts the parts in the debris field. Okay. So you're detecting this radiation. And from the maps we saw, a lot of it was on one side of the planet. I know we're playing armchair captain at this point. No, because wouldn't you go to the other side of the planet at least to say, "Hey, the field is weaker over here." Let's. Well, we're, we're close. We're we're still in orbit, but we're we're away from the nasty stuff. Right, because Pike says that uh, the collision wiped out half. It should have yeah. wiped out half the planet, is what he yeah. and Mbega say. Yeah, but yet here they are. There, where's Doctor Aaron when you need her? Exactly. <laughs> We'll try to get her. We have so many questions, so many questions. Put that one in our backlog. That's right. We're gonna we're just gonna dominate her panel, <laughs> Dragon Con. Uh, yes, excuse me. Ooh, ooh, I got a question. In, yeah, in Strange question. New Worlds season two, episode four. <laughs> she just shakes her head and looks at somebody. Oh, else. In episode one forty one, we were talking about this strange yes. uh, radiation security. You might all remember that. No, no one remembers that. All right. Yeah. Well, eventually Ortegas doesn't remember how to fly the ship. And she leaves the bridge in a panic. And, and starts having a, a, having a confused conversation with the computer. Right. She can't even find yeah. her quarters. So it's like, follow the blinking lights to get to your quarters. And then she's eventually told by the computer what her job is. I thought that that interaction or lack thereof with Christine in the hallway was a little weird. If everybody's walking around in his, yeah, walking around in a daze when you go, hi, do you know where you're going? You know, there'd be some sort of human interaction. Even if you're totally blitzed out of your mind, you'd, you'd still, you're struggling to connect with something. I I have a question. You mind? Can we talk for a second? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Would you like yeah. a copy of the yeah, Watchtower? Right. I don't know. You'd, you'd get something. Right. And it, it could even be to the point where you just say, I, I think I know you, I, but I don't know you. That you wouldn't just of... give this weird glance and walk off at a 90 degrees. I don't know. Right. That, yeah. that one seemed a little off to me. But... It was also weird that it said, follow the flashing lights. There's lights flashing behind her. Yeah. And when she gets to her quarters, there are lights everywhere down the hall. Yeah. Flash. Unless they kind of converged on that panel <laughs> across the hall, but I thought so too. We also noticed that they were yellow, so it was a yellow brick road. Yeah, right. 
but she keeps it in her head. Now, this I thought was very classic Trek. This is very Captain Kirk, you know, just demanding to remember, you know, I fly the ship. I fly the ship and getting, you know, bursting onto the bridge and saying, I fly the (laughs) The, ship. The first couple of times the computer's affirmative, but then the computer just gives up. (laughs) (laughs) I kept doing it though. She's walking down the hall. She's on the turbo lift. Affirmative, affirmative, (laughs) affirmative. affirmative. Will you be quiet? You. (laughs) You want a shirt that says that. I fly the ship. And we find out that Spock can't read his own pad. And I like. Yeah. What uh, was up with that? There's a there's a, a a theory I heard about which I thought okay this makes sense. If you'll recall on I believe it was on Discovery that it's revealed that Spock had dyslexia, oh. and he may have forgotten how to deal with dyslexia. Oh, that's right. He did have dyslexia. I remember that. Hmm. Oh, so he couldn't read it. That anymore. was subtle. Okay. I'll, I'll. Yeah, it was really subtle. It would be really subtle, but. Yeah, I totally forgot about um I didn't think about that until you just mentioned, it, but I do remember them uh talking about that um in Discovery when we around the right around the first time we met Spock. Mm-hmm. All right. Do we have any more thoughts about yes. among the lotus eaters? Go for so, it. So Ortegas says, I'm gonna fly us out of here, and Spock says, I believe you, you can do it. And uh she starts driving through the, the debris field and uh, on a Literally. collision course with one Literally of the big debris. ones. And she says, we're going to thread the needle, does this fancy maneuver with the phasers and drives through the hole in the middle. I'm like, wait, wait, what was that? I, she she made the needle. The, well, first, the ship was rotating and the phasers mm-hmm. were also rotating faster, like both of them, to cut this circular pattern of which... The Enterprise is going to fly through the hole. I thought, you know, that was a fundamental design flaw with the Enterprise and TOS is that the phasers really only pointed down and straight. Yeah, well, that's why they invented them phasers. <laughs> well, now they got the know? budget for it. Well, they were essentially. Yeah, now they got the budget for it. I also well, have a question. What was that What was that gesture when um, Mbenga finally healed Lon? She uh, wakes up and they did that thing with the finger on the cheek. Which they had done in the first episode as well. Yeah, what's up with that? Uh, what's up with that is... You gang, have to ask them. Gang no, sign? They, yeah, it's gang sign. No. <laughs> they, both of the actors were have been kind of coy about explaining that, so I've got a feeling it's something we're going to find out more about down the road. They were in prison together? Well, they already actually, did that on this episode. Actually, I read that uh, both the actors decided to do that on their own. And so it wasn't for the writers or anything, anybody like that. So it could um, be, it could be one of those offstage things. I I forget. It was, that's what I said. What exactly saying is if you wanted to, uh, a reason behind it or what the meaning behind it is, you have to ask them. As I was listening to a recent episode of the Delta flyers with Garrett Wong and Robert Duncan McNeil, they're, they're almost done with like season seven and like three more episodes to go. But he was talking about, uh, Robbie was talking about uh, Chicote, uh, <clears throat> sorry, and uh, they would that. have these little gestures with like the coffee mug, and it, so uh, say Robbie was off camera, and what was that, Craig? Robert Beltran Nothing. was doing his part, 
Right. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and mm-hmm. and Robbie would do some kind of gesture like, you know, sip and smile or hoist the mug like a thing of ale or <laughs> he was he was doing Cheers. these things. Yeah, to just sort of try to distract Robert Beltran from his part or uh so there's there's one episode towards the end and Robert Beltran is is about to take his cup and he sort of, you know, gives a little toast in the air. And it was completely innocuous. You wouldn't even have noticed if you didn't know what it means. But that was something that Robert Duncan McNeil brought out. He said, this is something we would do off camera. And that, that he was literally signaling me off camera with this mug going, hey, back at you, buddy. You can't get me every time. I've got the mug. Here right. you go. So it might be something on no, that line. I, it, I mean, it's possible. However, the way they were talking about it, I've got a feeling we're going to get more of a explanation of it. Um, okay. But they didn't, they, it's, not, it's nothing they could talk about, um, obviously, if it's something we haven't seen yet. So, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit that and see. Uh, Diane, uh, listen to Diane has a question here. I'm not sure. Oh, about, yeah. Oh, she she says they don't have com badges oh, on their uniform, so they don't know who's who or where they are. So when Ortegas gets in the turbo lift, how did she know it was Ortegas? And where Ortegas lives, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, so um, my guess is you can do voice print. You can also do voice print. You recognize the voices on the ship. This is Spock. No, it's you, Ortegas. Yeah. Don't fool me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ortegas. Where do I live at? Where's my quarters? So yeah, I don't. I don't have a great. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I don't. I don't have a. Um, <laughs> A good answer for that, but that'd be my first guess. Is since the computer is voice activated, that so it would recognize, recognize hey, wait. voices. Uh, they got to grab the handles in these turbo lifts. So she didn't have to this time. Fingerprints. No, she didn't have to this time. No. I, I do like that turbo lift. In. That turbo lift is a nice callback to the original with with the handles and the flashy lights. The whole thing. I love it. Actually, I was just thinking a moment ago how beautiful. The whole ship's set is uh, all the the hallways, the bridge. I love the way that they built out this whole. It's whole it's thing. it's modern yet it has elements from TOS, like the big red block, you know, the blinky light in the center of yeah. of the console or right up front. Like wow, that, some it, things have that have that sixties seventies. Yep. Yeah, some of it, that stuff has a sixties seventies vibe to it, but it's modern. So. Yep. Anyway, we got to move along. Yep, we're running. We're running long again. Okay, any other thoughts though uh, before we wrap up this one? Craig is watching the clock. I I don't have any <laughs> thoughts. I don't remember a thing. Okay, do what? Then uh, we'll yeah. rate it on one to ten memories. Then because clearly we've we've got to see how many we've got. <laughs> so we will right. start with uh, with you, Chuck. This time I'm going to give it a seven point five. I thought there were a few holes in this. It was a fun story to go through. But I just kept scratching my head on a number of things going, well, that doesn't make sense. And figuring out the whole timeline of what crashed and what collided, it just, it sent me into a tailspin too many times. <laughs> no hats and gloves and it's deadly cold out. Smart. It is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the general overall story of we have to clean up a cultural contamination thing and oh my gosh, Zach is alive. I thought that was a fun ride to go on. So it's not a, it's not a, you know bunch of garbage i'm trying to say this politely but it's uh it did have <laughs> some sufficient holes that left me wanting mm-hmm. okay 
And what about you, Craig? Uh, I'll give it a seven and a half. I liked it a little bit more than Chuck did, but uh, probably wasn't my favorite episode out of the out of what we've seen so far. And not to say that it was, you know, terrible by any means, but yeah, um, I kind of liked it. I, I like that uh, the guy Zach kind of turned thing turned things in his favor a little bit or tried to uh, take advantage of the situation. Um, so I, yeah, I thought it was all right. I liked the idea of them trying to work hard at remembering what they forgot. And I thought that was, that was an interesting aspect. So, okay. Yeah. And I am going to rate it an eight. Um, my second watching. And as I started to work on the article, uh, I became much more, uh, fascinated with this whole concept of dealing with the memory loss in a different way that we don't normally see like it it got into more of the the nitty-gritty of how that is how that can they at least attempt to discuss how it functions and why it functions and asking questions about well clearly you want your memory back and what about somebody who who might be doesn't want their memory back so i think i think they they have a nice they had a nice twist on this uh thing and i did think yeah. there were execution yeah. uh, issues with it but i i am gonna give it a, uh, eight memories <laughs> eight memories all right all right now it's time for my least favorite part of the show, where I get to double check with Charlie to see if it's okay to start up with the subspace chatter. What do you say, Charlie? You don't need all that subspace chatter. Ah, can always count on Charlie. We're taking things out of order tonight. Mm. Now we get into the news. That's right. Okay. And we'll be breaking up our two reviews rather than going back to back to back with those. All right, let's uh, start off at the beginning here. Now, all this is provisional. We'll explain uh, why at the end of this. But San Diego Comic-Con is almost here, and Star Trek will be part of several panels and events. First up, Paramount Plus and Fandom, the wiki hosting service for the Trek fan database Memory Alpha, will host the annual Fandom Party on July 20th. Ooh, moon day. The party will include a Strange New Worlds area and will feature a variety of Star Trek-themed activities and entertainment. All right. Right. And Paramount Plus will also have a booth on the show floor dedicated to Strange New Worlds. The booth will feature exclusive merchandise, photo opportunities, and more. So watch out for those pics showing up everywhere on your social media feeds. And in addition, Star Trek apparel licensee Hero Within will host a pop-up location outside the con called the Energize Lounge. With a big pink bunny on a bang and a drum? That's the Energizer yeah, Lounge. Oh, yeah. I thought that's where you where you get you get in the booth and they make you a bunch of pain. That's the Agonizer Lounge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you want that one. That's a pop-up one. Yeah. It will feature a Trek themed coffee uh, coffee drinks and display of Star Trek merchandise. And we've got another Star Trek anniversary year coming up. 2023 marks the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, the animated series and Paramount wow. plus is getting ready to celebrate that milestone. There will wait. Then I really have to do this. <laughs> exactly. Eric's. Yeah. <laughs> Very appropriate this time around. Indeed. There will be an official panel about Star Trek animation on Friday, July 21st. This panel will discuss the history of Trek animation, as well as the future of the franchise in this medium. 
It's unclear if Prodigy, hashtag save Prodigy, is that what we're using? Or bring back hashtag Prodigy? Hashtag Star Trek Prodigy. Yes. Okay. Uh, if it'll be part of the discussion. And finally, the main event, Star Trek Universe panel will be Saturday, July 22nd at 1.30 p.m. and 3 p.m. Pacific time in the con's main hall, Hall H, the infamous Hall H I hear so much about. The 90-minute panel will feature exclusive content, content from Discovery, Lower Decks, and Strange New Worlds. While there's no mention of the upcoming Starfleet Academy series or Section 31 streaming movie event, don't give up hope. There are often surprise announcements at these panels, as we've all come to learn over the years. After all, this is where Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover was announced last year. Usually, if there are any trailers or clips shown at the panel, Paramount Plus releases them to everyone after the panel ends. Uh, but wait, hoping that... Yep, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I hope they're going to announce that Eric's is coming on Strange New Worlds. I hope so, too. Yeah. But... <laughs> You know that? Oh, <laughs> what are you mumbling about? Well, we're talking your about future. you. Come on now. Yeah, your future. Work with us, Eric's. <laughs> All right, but wait. There's at least three more Trek and Trek-related panels at Comic Con. Picard, season three showrunner Terry Metalis will be one of the guests at the annual Inside the Writers' Room, building a better future for writers panel. Given the ongoing Writers Guild of America strike, this panel may be extra enlightening. Yes. Then there's You Can Call Me Bill, a discussion about William Shatner's career hosted by William Shatner. <laughs> this discussion will be a tie-in to two of Bill's most recent adventures, his trip to space, and Legion M's new documentary about him entitled You Can Call Me Bill. And his big and banner ad that's hanging in the Denver airport in Terminal Indeed. C. And right. friend of the show, Larry, Dr. Trek Nemechek, will moderate a sort of show-and-tell panel by members of the Picard creative team. Another friend of the show, Dr. Aaron McDonald, is scheduled to appear on the panel. Whew, I think that's all of it for Comic-Con. Next! Yep. And in awards news, three Star Trek novels had been made into the finals uh, into the 2023 Scribe Awards. Crisis on Centaurus. No. Yeah. No. Uh, these awards honor licensed uh, works that tie in with other media, such as television, movies, gaming, and or comic books. Among the finalists in the speculative category are Star Trek, the original series, Harm's Way by David Mack, and Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, The High Country by John Jackson Miller. In the young adults category, Star Trek one, uh, Star Trek has one nominee: Star Trek Prodigy: A Dangerous Trade by Cassandra Rose Clark. The winners will be announced at San Diego Comic Con, as we mentioned in nauseum, on July twenty first. Good luck, everyone. Meanwhile, Star Trek Lower Decks has been nominated in the Best Streaming Animated Series or TV Movie category for the twenty twenty three Hollywood Critics Association Awards. This is also the first year that anime has found its way into the category in a big way, with nominations for both Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia. Other nominees include Animaniacs, Harley Quinn, and Central Park. Hmm. Hmm. 
And the Hollywood Critics Association has also announced their live-action nominations, with Star Trek Picard picking up six nominations, including Patrick Stewart for Best Actor in a Streaming Drama Series. Both Jerry Ryan and Brent Spiner are nominated for Best Supporting Actor or Actress in a Streaming Drama Series. And Michelle Forbes is up for a Best Guest Actress in a Streaming Drama Series for her portrayal of Roe Laren. Wow, there you go. And showrunner... And executive producer Terry Metalis picked up two nominations for Best Writing and Best Directing in a Streaming Drama Series, both for the final episode of Picard. Now, no dates for the award presentation ceremony has yet been announced due to the ongoing Writers Guild and SAG AFTRA strikes. And this brings up the thing I wanted to say, the giant um, asterisk on Comic-Con is the talent probably is not going to be there promoting anything because they're not supposed to do that when they're on strike. So we don't know how this is going to affect what happens uh, at um, San Diego Comic-Con. It's going to be interesting to find out, but just letting you know that. Uh, Craig, you have another one here? (laughs) I sense an opportunity, Quark. We could get this podcast into (laughs) Comic-Con. I think you're right. (laughs) Stupid Nagus. All right. So, yes, there is one more, or or is it two? I'm not sure. So, the nominees for the 2023 Emmy Awards have been announced, and Star Trek Picard picked up two nominations one for Outstanding Contemporary Makeup, non prosthetic, and one for Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup. So, they got it, they got it all wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, everyone at the topic is Trek, which is all the Trek nominees. The best of luck. Absolutely. And in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada news. Oh. Yeah, the next time you visit Vulcan, Alberta, Canada, perhaps for Spock Days or Vulcan, expect things to go a bit faster. That's because Vulcan is on the list of 26 towns to benefit from a newly announced investment in high-speed internet. (laughs) Exactly, Eric's. The $96 million Canadian investment will hook up over 10,000 homes to a high-speed connection. Technology and Innovations Minister Nate Glubish, I just read him, was quoted as saying, quote, improving access to high-speed internet is the key to unlocking the potential of these communities across Alberta. I'm happy to note that construction work has begun in some communities. I look forward to continuing work with the federal government to connect more communities until we achieve our goal of connecting every single Albertan to high-speed internet by 2027. We'll get subspace communications here someday. Uh, yes, right. Now we covered a lot of stories, most of them about Comic Con. But if you go to the show notes for episode 141 over at the topic is trek.com, you'll get access to 51 additional stories broken up by movies and uh, TV series and a whole bunch of other categories. Lots of things to cover there. A lot of it is about, oddly enough, strange new worlds because we did all the Comic Con stuff for you. All right. And now my favorite part of the show. When I get to say, now that subspace chatter is over, goodbye, Charlie. I want to stay, 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 stay. (laughs) Yes, exactly, Eric's. He's gone now. I'm surprised Eric's is not on strike. He just keeps showing up in our show. He's different, and that species is not. They never signed in to the union, so he's he's good to go. Right. 
All right, now it's time to head out on main mission part two. And do we need a sound uh, effect or anything? Sure, go for it. Okay. Sounds an awful lot like Eric's. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Please change yeah. it. It's it's like a theremin we're just playing over here. All right, uh, Chuck, why don't you give us the lowdown on this one? All right, Strange New World Season 2, Episode 5 is called Charades, or as Picard would say, Charades. Mm. Written by Charades. Catherine Lynn <laughs> and Henry Alonzo Myers, directed by Jordan Canning. And the synopsis reads, a shuttle accident leads to Spock's Vulcan DNA being removed by aliens, making him fully human and completely unprepared to face Spring's family, among many other things, during an important ceremonial dinner. All right. So this thing starts off pretty straightforward. We've got uh, this mission. Apparently there's this uh, Krakowian moon that's, Oddly, somewhere near Vulcan, and you think the Vulcans would have been quick to investigate this? Yeah. But, you know, I guess they're busy doing other things and whatnot. So the Enterprise is going to be. It's it's like when you live near the Grand Canyon, you just don't visit that often. Yeah. 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 People in New York have never been to the Enterprise State Building, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. But the other mission that's going on is uh, a bit different because Spock finds out he must travel to Vulcan to perform the ritual Vishal dinner uh, because Pring's mother feels that since Spock is in the neighborhood, now would be a good time to do that. Um, Then there's the complication that we kind of mentioned. Approaching the anomaly, the shuttle is... uh, pulled inside of it and when the shuttle reappears chapel is fine but spock is somehow human i knew this was i i knew that because the camera angle when he was laying on the bed did not show his head i'm like what happened to his ears just looking at his hands and what happened to his ears he sits up and he goes spock you're human like surprise so i i i didn't like the way they tried to reveal that it, well, it's hard to do if you're going to do that reveal. I mean, your other way is to just like show him, you know, over his shoulder or something. However you do it. Well, you, you can't. Just, you can't even do that. Cause, well, you could. You, know, but you over, have to over see the like the edge of his shoulder. Yeah. I mean, just kind of, or he's in a shadow or the profile is weird. But however you do it, it's always going to be, why are we not seeing yeah. all of Spock? There's something his, weird going on there. Could have been yeah. written a little differently. But the re- his, his reaction was, it made up for it. So the explanation of this is that the Kirkovians, they came across, well, actually, they they felt like they'd been bumped into so rudely by the shuttle, and there was this accident. So when that happens, they they have to fix things up. So they they fixed up uh, Spock. Uh, apparently, Chapel was fine, and they, they just sent him away, and, and now they're done. Well, their, their logic was... Anymore. This one's mixed yeah. up. He was kind of, he had, he had conflict, not conflicting, but he had mixed parts. Well, they used, they said, well, if, <laughs> if, if, if one is consistent and one is mixed up, we'll make the mixed up one consistent with the first one. So that's, that's why he became human over Vulcan. Some great smart logic there. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's what yellow and blue told us. This so is we, supposed kinda... to be their really deep medical database. <laughs> And they took a yeah. guess. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they can't recognize embedded DNA, apparently. <laughs> you know, like... Or, or you know, uh, 
races that combined that maybe that didn't happen when they were still building their database. Well, uh, maybe never, maybe that never came up in their society. So they, I did like it when the, uh, I started to say Kevorkians, but that's not right. <laughs> so the Wachovians. <laughs> I like how they were. They the were Kurt like, Cobanians. "Oh, no, thanks, needed." All right, we'll see you later. Right, You're no further contact. Up. Yeah, they got yep. They, yep. Ye- they yellow, yellow, just ghost. <laughs> oh no, no, no need to thank us. It's okay. Well, we'll talk to you later. Right. Yeah. And so our our result is that we get Spock as a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> he eats a lot. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't hey. sleep a lot too. Let's let's take a moment and appreciate Ethan Peck absolutely m- making a human version of Spock mm-hmm. as a teenager, and and his emotions uh, range from subtle to uh, outrageous. And I think he did such a great job. This is about as or right as good as, uh, or as good as um, the Spock Amok when him mm-hmm. and T'Pring switch places. It was like that. It was that good, I thought. About the only thing he he didn't do is say, I hate you, Mom. (laughs) Well, he did did yell at her at first. He did. But then he he did a very human thing, and he said, hi, Mom. You know, once he he, uh, got that out. Took off his hat. Chilled out. (laughs) But he, yeah, but again, Ethan Peck nailed, I think, this whole episode. And one thing we learned in here, um, which, okay, it ties in with canon, but we we don't really find out what reopened the rift between Spock and Sarek. Because the last time we saw them, you know, there wasn't any huge tension, which was on Discovery. And now it's gone back to Sarek has nothing, was nothing to do with Spock. I have a feeling we'll hear more about that later. That's it was kind of a tease. Possibly, possibly so. Yeah. I'm gonna um, take the shuttle out for joyride. Woo! Come on, Chapel. Who wants to come with poor, me? Well, poor well, wait a minute. So if you think about it, when um uh am I right to remember that in TOS with when uh Sark and Amanda show up that Spock and Sark are not on good terms at that. That is point. correct. I'm saying that it ties well, we in. They, yeah, we don't but, know what caused. We don't that. know what caused that rift to reopen. Yeah, right. I was just saying it kind of jobs with with that. So yeah, I think it set up it set that up. You know, because like I said, <laughs> they were they weren't they weren't like Spock Spock and Sark were talking to each other in Discovery. It wasn't wasn't like well now yeah. I, now I will stop speaking to you again type of thing. So right. It's only logical. You, you were saying, yeah. poor Christine, she had a bad Monday. She she is put through the ringer oh. in this episode, oh. big time. Wait, 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 one second. Hold on one second before you move forward. Go back one more time. One you slide. Love this slide, don't you? You just love this slide. When I love that whole inter, inter, uh, interaction with Kirk, with Sam. Yeah. Oh my God, with Sam Kirk. Clean up your oh mess. My gosh. Clean up your mess. <laughs> yeah. You know before. You could tell he was annoyed by it when, as a Vulcan, and went and picked it up. I don't know why he was annoyed with it, but he picked it up. And then the crumbs. And then this one, he not only was annoyed with it, but he it escalated every time I they said. <laughs> I yeah, love so, that whole. Sam is like, thing. "What are you kidding? You're joking, right, you Mister Kirk? Yeah. Then, clean up your mess." Like, okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, I got it. I get it. 
Yeah, that was hilarious. All I'm right. Sorry. That's okay. We, we, we have to eventually talk about poor Christine, who, who has everything happened to her in this episode. And most of it is not good up to, uh, you know, up to a point right. because, you know, she, she has survivor's guilt because mm-hmm. she is fine, you know, and, and Spock is having all these problems. She, she feels like I shouldn't have even been on the shuttle. And Ben gets to say, well, if you weren't there, who knows, maybe he would have just died. This, you know, she's rejected for the fellowship with the because, Vulcan Science Academy. Right. Yeah. Because she didn't mimic back just exactly word for word. Well, it would have been nice if they had some standards and guidelines that she would have followed. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Is every, apparently everybody knows this except it, her. Is this Spock said something to it about it, didn't he? Well, he says after he says afterwards, you know, they're jerks, but you know, yeah, Vulcans well, no, can be such said, jerks. I think somebody had mentioned that they needed to say it word for word. Well, I don't remember that. I remember that you have um, Ortegas and I think Una and Uhura saying, "Well, were, you're supposed to be studying for this Vulcan test. Why aren't you studying with Spock, who's like a Vulcan?" Well, there's there, there, there he's been a little problems. weird. It's complicated. Yeah. yeah, there's been problems going on there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, she's and then she can't find the solution to fix Spock, and she's gone through. Everything you know, even Mbenga's, even in Benga's personal files of experimental. Yeah. Well, man, I've got these other. Th- I've tried them already. They don't work. <laughs> I find and I found yeah. your pot stash. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work yeah. either. <laughs> hey, I also want to give some appreciation. Shout out the uh, the I cannot pronounce his name. Um, Doctor Mbenga, there mm-hmm. he has he has uh, great mannerisms and facial expressions. Because yeah, a lot of the stuff that he does in these episodes, the last episode in this one is a look that mm-hmm. he gives, Yeah, you know, a, a look when he's kind of questioning whether uh, Laan is okay to travel, a look when they're in the elevator together, uh, he Chris, <laughs> and, and Spock comes in, you know, he just gives these little, he has little a, sort of looks. He has that like, oh, that was awkward. Kind yeah. Of. <laughs> Look on his face. And Spock I, has anyway, been given some I looks. Great. And Spock has been giving some looks too. In the past episode, you know, when he and, and Ortegas were standing at the console and he, he looks over like wide eyed, like, seriously? He's still a full yeah. Vulcan at that point. And he's given this, you know, crazy eyed look. Like, we're going there. We're doing what? And, and obviously in this episode, <laughs> the expressions were priceless. Mm-hmm. And then. Mom shows up. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Hey, I so, don't know if this is an emergency or not, but uh, your mom's your here. Mother's, your mother's here. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mom? Why are you here, Mom? Yeah. Told you not to show up at he work. Comes in wearing that stupid. He comes in wearing a stupid beanie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and Pike goes, I, I've got one just like it. What? There's no problem here. Standard issue. <laughs> and you can just slowly see Amanda's face just. Go, this is not right. Yeah, what's up here? Wait, yes. wait, where were the hats on the cold planet in the last episode? If they're standing That's right. you. Spock had them all. Spock That's had them all. <laughs> yeah, stupid Spock. Hey, uh, when she tells him to take the hat off, I like how in the background you can see Pike just make a discreet exit. Yeah, it's Whoop. like, uh, he's out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. He, he did that several times in the episode. Uh, Pike did. He's like, 
you know, and just oh, kind of yeah, when, when they were doing or, the tea ceremony or, and whatnot, he's sitting yeah. in the back going, I'm just going to sit over here. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he also does it at the very end when, when Spock is having his tirade in front of everybody. You can just see him. He's coming out the hors d'oeuvres and he just yes. makes a U-turn and heads back into the kitchen. Spock, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Amanda brings great news since things are so busy and Spock has had this injury. They're going to have the ceremony, the dinner ceremony on the Enterprise. Oh, good. Because Enterprise that's the, that's and the expression sur- he had. He was like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> you know, whatever he said. Yeah. Enterprise and oh, surprise. What a surprise. And we get to find out all about this weird, weird, this uh, Vishal ritual thing. And it's such oh, a... Yeah. It's wow. like a combination of Festivus with, uh, you know, I don't, because you've got, you've got this tea ceremony with this <laughs> mind meld teapot, with, yeah, the mind meld. You've got the airing of grievances going on <laughs> at one point. Oh, I, I, I did make a note to myself and you got a picture here for it. Uh, it's funny. We have Star Trek with actual Spock ears. Yes. Oh I'm yeah. Sure th- I'm sure those are right <laughs> off of the. the Absolutely. The <laughs> I laughed because I was like, wow, actually the Spock ears are making up. They didn't uh, have to appearance. Yeah, they didn't have to go very far to Office make those up. It'd be hilarious yeah. to find out. Well, we actually had to make these up different because they don't look like the real ones. What? No, no, stop. No. Yeah. Glue them on yeah. badly. <laughs> I honestly thought we would see. Funny if they put it on and one fell off. I was ready for one to fall off some, at some when, point. When she gave yeah. him the injection and said, your 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 Vulcan physical features will come back later. Like, boop, boop. Stop, stop, <laughs> yeah. stop pushing them the off. The rubber man. one. Yeah, like, like yeah, baby yeah. teeth they're coming hang, out. Hanging on the tips of his ears. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, where were we? Well, we're, we're, we're at the, the actual ceremony because we we have yeah. um, this whole section where, uh, do I have a slide for what? this? What's up with no. Chapril? Do you think she was just really proud or was she racist or was I she think, just, what th- is wrong with her? I think that she is very upset that this whole business with bringing humans into this and she's, she's looking for a way out, but she can't oh. manufacture a, a way out. You're talking about Chapril. Her, Chapril, her uh, mo- mother yeah, Spock's mother, future right? mother-in-law, right. so to speak. Oh, she is a controller. She is a super controller. Savet was, uh, but was everything like, oh, yeah, was wrong. You know, there's, right. there's you know, too much salt said, in these treats. It was just, everything was yeah. wrong to her. She was, she hated it all. And she was a controlling, uh, Vulcan. However, so I she, made, I made note of one yeah. thing while she was doing her thing about, uh, well, it's, it's the ritual of awareness, not the airing of grievances. <laughs> I like airing of grievances better. <laughs> Stick with that. I just didn't have the pole. That's the only because, thing I didn't have. Because she says in that everything that is true about Spock's situation at that point going into TOS, she says you turn your back on your planet, your people, your family. Well, mm-hmm. uh, and well, any Vulcan man would gladly stand by to bring side. You abandoned her for months, which is a foreshadowing of a muck time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then she says, you disrespect your family name, choosing Starfleet over all else. Big issue. And your father is correct to shut you out. It is only logical to conclude that you have failed him as a son and as a Vulcan. And it's like, 
all this stuff is like it's all true. It's this is this is kind of Spock's situation. And it's like if he didn't know before, he knows it now, and that's what it is. So I thought that was odd that all these things that she's saying hit Spock really hard, but it's also reality for Spock. Would let me ask you, when you were 16 and somebody were to say words like this to you. What was your reaction? Was it to to get angry? What a bad old man. Or yeah, or was it to blow it off and go, you know, I've heard this crap before. I yeah. think that'd be more the case. Okay, grandma, yeah. let's get so, to bed. So he he <laughs> says, "Excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom." He gets up and does that you know crazy air punch dance thing, which I was <laughs> laughing at that scene immensely, and then yells into his shirt. Oh uh, no! Oh my gosh! That and was bulky. Uh, should have better bladder control. Get- by the way, so I could not, yeah, I could not control myself when he went in the bathroom. Was <laughs> punching his was fist yelling in the air, without screaming yelling. into the towel, screaming into the towel yeah. is great too. <laughs> but would you have gotten angry, or would you just sat there going, "You're blowing hot air, keep at it, lady. I don't like you anyway." I, I, I think at fourteen or twelve, I might have got angry or even broke down in tears. But at sixteen. I had reached that point where if somebody attacked me like that, I just would have gone, you're so full of crap. I don't even care what you think. Well, it's kind of tough because you're being attacked, but you're also being attacked basically in front of your girlfriend. Right? Okay. that you, You're right there. That changes the, the landscape fiance. a bit. Yeah, fiance. Well, just yeah, either way. Exactly. But I'm, I'm kind, of, kind of like, you know, putting it in. I didn't have a fiance at 16. But mentally, he's 16. Right. I know. I'm just saying he's he's got a lot of stakes. And wait, part I of didn't that, have a girlfriend at sixteen because he's got a fiance. I didn't have a girlfriend at sixteen yeah. either. I'll be honest. <laughs> another another thing we find out in I well, found doing that. the believe the talk okay. about yeah. Well, <laughs> let's move on from that, shall we? I made up for uh, it in later <laughs> life. That's another story for another show. Yes, <laughs> sorry. That's our tech drama after show. That's after dark. But anyway. Um, we find out we find out that Amanda has learned a very important oh. lesson while she's on Vulcan, you know, which is to basically hide her pain. Oh yes, she can yeah, pick she up the, the hot teapot, em- the the Kwai John. You know what that reminded Kane. me of? Uh, Ember Kung Fu. Kung, Kung Fu. Kwai John Kane. Pick up. Well, <laughs> it was it wasn't just about picking up the teapot. It was basically yeah. her making a comment, going, "I have suffered." endlessly on this yes. planet insults rejections you just learn to hide it yep, yep. like it's that not was, there. that was pretty profound yep meanwhile yeah. poor christine yep oh, go ahead. Hey, by the way i was gonna say that throughout this episode they did flesh out spock and amanda's mm-hmm. uh, mother-son relationship uh really well and it also it reminded me of some of the shades we saw in, um, you know, in, in Star Trek uh, 2009, the Kelvin right. verse one, where they showed some tender moments with him and her mom a little bit, you know, showed their relationship a little bit there, too. And I it's think really it, really cool. it, it, it was interesting to to kind of get to that point by having him have emotions and then kind mm-hmm. of see that what he was what was happening to Spock right there was the stuff that happened to Amanda every single day and not yeah. being a Vulcan who just like essentially blow it off being human. He's going, yeah. Oh my God, you've, you've lived with this 
every day of you've been on Vulcan, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. He actually you know. empathized more with right. it. Yeah. So uh, we, we got to get back to poor, poor Christine Chapel because she is now visit the, uh, the Krakovians, and of course, she gets a different operator. Well, who approved? Who approved the the, the ladies' joyride? Uh, Nobody. You know, shuttle. Nobody. Okay. How did that happen? <laughs> Unauthorized shuttle launch. Don't usually get called back or tractor well, beamed or something. You would think. You would think. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I admit that I had problems with it, but I'm thinking, how many times has somebody just kind of like taking a shuttle and you're not even sure if they've ever gotten permission to do okay. it. So it's so, like, well, they end I up, don't know. Well, just a, just a couple episodes back Spock and everybody stole the whole ship. So that's right. <laughs> and, and Pike never mentions it. And again. the shuttles. So, there we go. They yeah. get in, and they, the shuttles that were in the ship. So they end up in this interdimensional space and she says, are you yellow? And, and the being says, who are you calling yellow? I'm no, she's blue. Dabba dee, dabba die. And, uh, <laughs> Basically, she gives the, the 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 entity blue gives the same response that well, and also adds now that it's essentially past the warranty period. It's been remediated, not not <laughs> just the warranty period, past the the the, the, the you can't file a complaint period. Yeah, where where was that date ever given? They say okay, you got thirty days. Oh uh, well, they they didn't. They didn't, maybe it was on that disc, the disc that they found in the hey, show. Maybe so that's what that disc was. Timer. Time, your, time and your space. Ten hour warranty card. Time is, and space work differently for them. So who knows how long it really was? Hey, did y'all watch the Ready Room? No. Yes. All right. Uh, Jess Bush was on there, and she was talking about doing this whole scene with everybody. Uh, and the uh, this is the volume uh, room that they have with they have mirrored floor, mm-hmm. and she said that it was very disorienting because if you look at the background and then of course it's on a mirror too at the floor and it's uh, moving around. She said that it would make them nauseous uh, because from there being no, in there. There was no place to focus. No point of reference. Eyes that yeah. wasn't moving. And they said that even the marks on the floor were done with like this black marker on a mirrored <laughs> surface and it would rub off and they couldn't, even, they couldn't figure out what was going on. So it took a lot. I think they said they were in there for 15 hours or something like that. But yeah. yet Ortegas at yeah. one point ducks under yellow while, you know, the blob is moving around in the space. I thought that was pretty, pretty creative. I thought that was cool. Right. Yeah. Right. So they're, she has. Oh, go ahead. And Ortegas and um, Ohura's facial expressions, they were, you know, when they were like. Yeah, right. Really? You know, really? Well, right. She has, they're, they're telling her, like, you don't see this in front of you. She has to f- come to grips with you know, her feelings for Spock. But she's just like, mm-hmm. oh, he's a friend. Like, yeah, no, no, come on. Yeah. Admit it. Admit it. Yeah. But and she has, and even, even so, she makes him turn around again when she goes back to talking to Yellow. Yeah, because so, that'll turn around. That's privacy. <laughs> yeah, turn around. The, um, yeah, don't listen. Turn around. But it also means that she likes the new all human Spock. She hey, does, but it's not Spock. It's not him. So right. she has to like make, it's almost like she has, she has to, to push him away to save him because she feels so strongly for him that she wants the real him that she can't have versus this nicer version that she could have. Uh, it's like that, that was a tough yeah. conflict. They had right, a nice, because- yeah, they had a good uh, human human reaction in the hallway 
when Spock made the joke about this, what did he say? What was the joke about sleeping? Oh, I, I, no, I think he said something about, I don't, I don't cry. I don't, oh, cry, I don't cry in the shower. The shower. I, I know what I'm Yeah. <laughs> That's I, I didn't cry in the shower this time. Like, all right. Yeah. That was pretty yeah, but funny. We talk, we talk about uh, this emotional price because she has the, the cure for Spock and she comes in. And by this point you can tell to Pring has pretty much caught on that something is amiss here because she's tracking chapel across the room. Yeah. Like what is going on here? And so we have the scene where the two of them have a conversation and just as Spock is about to admit something. Boom. Yeah. She gives him the cure so that he's just back to being a Vulcan. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, a tough thing, tough thing to do. Yep. And, uh, you know, she's, she, but she really, she had to do it. So we have two wrap up, a couple of wrap up scenes uh, that happen after that. One is that, um, uh, <laughs> Christine's talking to the, the Vulcan, whatever he is, the, the guy at the, at the science academy that says, yeah, uh, you know, we reviewed your work and it's just not up to snuff. And she says, well, listen to me, Pally. You know, here's what I did in the last 24 yeah. hours and you're not ready for me. So stick that in your ear. Right. We also find your out. Point of ear. Hey, I wasn't going to be it, racist, Craig. <laughs> that um, to Pring said, you didn't trust me. You trusted everyone else on this ship with your secret and you didn't trust me. I thought that was a great outcome. That was a great outcome Mm -hmm. because she says, even though I've told you, I accept you for who you are. And he's saying, I'm sorry. And she says, I, I think we need time apart. Yep. Yep. I thought I'm, I'm with you, Chuck. I thought that the, her, uh, her uh, reflection on that whole thing was spot on. And it really, uh, shown a light on where they should be going because um you know she realized that hey you trusted everybody but me you know yeah which which you know you look After back all some of the adventures that they've had yep. together yep yeah <clears throat> yeah and it's fantastic we we have a, a a tender moment of a of a goodbye uh moment at the transporter pad between spock and amanda mm-hmm. yeah because uh he just had let loose, as we said, on uh, to Pring's Pring, mother yeah. because he was a human doing this thing, and she has more compassion. Basically, she has more compassion yeah. in a little finger than all Vulcan, blah blah blah. And he really, we, we get this new, this new bond between Spock and Amanda as a result of this. And yeah, to your point too, Craig, that I think this kind of carries forward because that's what we see in TOS is that. There's no question about the uh, the bond between Spock and mm-hmm. Amanda, and there's also no question about there's tension between Spock and Sarek at this point. So yeah, how we came well, up and, on that and also that this this uh, this uh, this moment too, where he, he kind of stood up for Amanda, mm-hmm. was also like in the 2009 uh, Star Trek, where he told the. Vulcan Academy, what to go do with themselves. It you know, live like, long and prosper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so. finally, the last thing we get is dun, dun, dun. Focus. <whistles> exactly, Eric's. 
So this <laughs> he's working on it. It's close. This complicates things. Um, I would say we we have complications in the fact that it's you know to Pring is not is not not engaged to Spock, right? Even though they're, they're spending time apart, they're betrothed still, right? We also you know I know part of this is bumping into canon. It's like okay we've now really slammed hard into canon at this point because now they're in a relationship aside from the fact that Christine knows who to bring is, but that's, you know, we kind of already uh, sailed on that one, but so it'd be interesting to see where this goes. Does this lead to a resolution that gets us to TOS and the situation there? I can see in the next episode to bring shows up. Look, Spock, maybe we were a little harsh. Maybe we can work it out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm going to move in with you now. Uh, uh, There's complications and I can't possibly. I'm going to lock myself in the transporter. Y'all have a good day. I'm going to go see the Kevorkians now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, Buck needs to That's the, the Kirkovians, I tell you. The Kirkovians. No, no. I'm seeking the Kevorkians. Oh <laughs> I need my. out of this relationship. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> it is time now to vote on this one. I'm going to say we're going to do it on one out of 10 Vulcan teapots because they're hot. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. Teapot. I am going to rate this one. I'm going to rate this one. And a lot of this hinges on Ethan Peck. I'm going to give this one a nine and a lot of it. I think that there's, there's good points in here. I think some things were a bit underdeveloped. I felt like getting to the Kirkovians in that conversation, we could have spent a little bit more time there. I think that it's, you know, I I just felt like it, 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 she admitted what she had to admit a little fast, like she should have even been more reluctant to admit it in front of other people. Um, so I think that some things were rushed, but overall um, the things that happened, the revelations that, that uh, Spock has about Amanda, the performance by Ethan Peck. Uh, I just felt like there were a lot of good things in here to overcome some of the bad. So nine uh, Vulcan teapots for me. And I think we go next to Craig. Yep. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to give it a nine because I think Ethan Peck uh, really stole the show. Not only that, but to bring and the, the interaction with her parents was, was for all intents and purposes. I know they're all Vulcans, but it was very human, like uh, irritation mm-hmm. and interaction, you know, like a, a daughter and her mother kind of thing. And then the dad, I don't think that oh was dad. I, I think that was, was like mom's manservant. Serve, uh, I I had the feeling it was dad because she says her parents. Oh, I thought it was just mom is coming over. No, okay, nope, it's parents. Although I don't think we ever got a, a name for the father. Oh, he he ser- was a longtime associate of Sarix. Yeah, and the father of Tapring. Oh, okay, so, okay. Well, he definitely okay. was a lot more yeah. complimentary. Like, hey, these treats aren't so bad. Eh, they got too much salt. Put it back, oh, Sal. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what I'm saying. And then he's like, Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice. I'm like. What kind of Vulcan are you? Anyway, so the whole thing I think was fantastic. I'm totally giving it a a, a high nine. He sure. must he must be living miserable because he clearly doesn't have happy wife, happy life. Yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, I was laughing. I was concerned about uh, where things were going. And there were, you know, uh, Christine was trying to uh, make uh, Spock right because she she didn't like him. And he, anyway, so uh, I mean, she liked him and wanted him to be whole again. The whole thing. I think top down. I think this is a great episode. All right. And what about you, Chuck? I wrote down a number prior to us talking about this, and I also rate this a nine. So this is not okay. just riding the coattails, but I sure all the same sentiments. Love the laughter. It's fun to see them do some fun every once in a while. They're they're yeah. batting what about <laughs> half the shows now? It's like we go from serious topic to <laughs> wow, that was fun. Uh, so nine for this nine teapots. Don't mess with your microphone on the air, Craig. <laughs> no, I was just professional. <laughs> professional. <laughs> oh, he's doing the Spock yeah, ma- mad dance the in the bathroom, yeah. and he hit his yeah. microphone. Is that the Spock dance we got to do at the yeah, uh, at DragCon? Absolutely. You're going to hurt somebody with that thing. <laughs> Probably yourself. All right, let's yeah. wrap this up. All right. Well, it's time to refill the dilithium chamber and try to warp on out of here. You can find me, Clinton, at Comedy Forecast, all one word with the number four, dot com. And you can also find me on all the social medias. Uh, just logged into threads. And uh, there, there's, there's another one every day. So look for me in all those places. Check out those threads, yeah, man. Everywhere else. Who speaks yeah. for you guys? Neither of us. Oh, Okay. <laughs> They forgot. <laughs> Maybe we should roll. Maybe we should roll before the show. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll do it. So anyway, uh, just go to Google and search for Technorama Podcast. You'll find our long running podcast over there. By long running, I mean 18 years. Running. Uh, Clint's, Clint's right there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so go find us. Search for Technorama Podcast, and you'll, you can get us pretty much at anywhere that you get your own uh, podcast from. All righty. But now hit the theme, boys. Right there. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend about it and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter at The Topic is Trek. Visit our Facebook page or visit thetopicistrek.com. Until next time, on behalf of Chuck Craig and myself, I'm Clinton, thanking you for listening. And as we always say here on The Topic is Trek, don't, don't, don't put, put, on put on the red, the red, the red shirt. shirt. Sure, at least the long sleeve one. To the spike dance. Woo. No further contact is necessary. <laughs>